this is Melissa Herrera. I'm an assistant chief at HQ, and you're listening to the Old Patrol HQ podcast. There ain't no patrol like the Old Patrol. Greetings, and welcome to episode 12 of the Old Patrol HQ podcast. I'm your host, Gil Maza. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and preserving the history, heritage, and legacy of the Old Patrol through the words of those who lived it, with a few shenanigans along the way. Today, in honor of the 45th anniversary of women coming into the patrol, we will be talking with Assistant Chief Melissa Herrera of the Planning Division at Headquarters DC. She started out in Class 465 and then reported to the Fabens, now Clint Station, El Paso Sector. She took to the job with a true passion and drive, and it has taken her far in the patrol. How far? Come listen to her story. She's a true game changer and a badass five percenter. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always. Good morning, Mel, and welcome to the Old Patrol HQ podcast. Good morning. How are you today? Not too bad for a Saturday morning. How about you? I can't complain either. As I was telling you earlier, it's about 81 degrees out here in sunny Oceanside, California, and I'm going to hit the beach as soon as you, you know, we're done with this conversation. Oh, man, I wish I was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was, um, as you know, we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of women in the Border Patrol, and here at Old Patrol HQ, we take that very seriously. In fact, I was already getting complaints that I'm putting too. I'm, I'm posting too many females on our uh, Facebook page, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll get we'll get back to putting all the old guys and uh, you know the the boring old guys back on here pretty soon. But for now, uh, one of our greatest uh, honors and pleasures is to have you on the podcast because uh, I know you personally. You and I worked together in D.C. for a few years through uh, when we were doing the. Um, police week activities when we're honoring our families so i've seen you at work i've seen you in action you are a formidable agent in many different ways so i would like to start out with you by talking about how you got started in, a, in the patrol and from the beginning well thank you very much for that um so when i started out um i really got recruited by a neighbor of mine who um, was a Border Patrol agent, and the funny thing was is that I was ready to sign up to leave to the military, and my mom was really not too happy about that, um, and she had my neighbor come and talk to me about the Border Patrol, which I really never gave thought to mm -hmm. until he came and spoke to me, and he did a really good job. He told me, you know, sign up, it's paramilitary, you know, we do this and we do that and, you know, what do you have to lose? Just take the test. So I signed up, I took the test, and a year later I found myself in the academy um, in Glencoe, Georgia. Nice. I love, I love when people uh, say they come from Glencoe, Georgia. That's where I went to the academy as well. And mm -hmm. even though it went from there to, to uh, South Carolina and now to Artesia, and I've been to Artesia a few times, and personally, I really like it. I like going there to teach and stuff like that. So, but I'm kind of crazy like that. An old Marine who likes chow hall food, right? Uh, it, it's progressed. It's amazing. I've been back to the academy to see what they're doing differently now. And it's, it seems like they're doing the right thing as far as doing a lot of um, 
aerospace training, mm-hmm. uh, just really what to expect out in the field. And I think I got a lot of that when, I think most of us got that when we went out to the field and it was just kind of hands-on. Yes. Um, right from day one for me. Excellent. So tell, tell us about your experience at the academy. So I was pretty young when I came in, <laughs> which was a long time ago. Uh, so it was my first time leaving El Paso, Texas. Um, never traveled before in my life. And I found myself on this huge bus with a whole bunch of people from, you know, different backgrounds. And I was kind of intimidated. I didn't know what was going to happen. And as soon as we got to Glencoe, it was on. You know, we had those instructors in our face telling us to go 100 miles an hour. Um, and, you know, it, it was it was an eye-opener for me. And I had, at the time, I believe there was seven other females um, in, in my class. And we all kind of just banded together throughout mm-hmm. the academy, um, which was a really important thing for us. You know, we motivated each other and we motivated others. It wasn't just the girls, but, you know, it was it was very tough. That, that academy was really tough. And um, looking back at it now, you know, I would do it 100 times over again. <laughs> it was probably one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah, and uh, how many other females were in your class? I believe there were seven other females in my class, and uh, six, one dropped out, um, and there were six of us that ended up graduating the class. Okay, and uh, did some of them end up with you at, uh, in your first duty station as well? Yes, one of them did end up with me um, in, in Davins at my first duty station. Uh, that was uh, Veronica Tide. Mm-hmm. And she's now moved on. She is with deportations, and she's up there. So it was, it was really nice to see her progress um, and, and use this as a you know, great stepping stone and go into deportations. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you uh, heard our podcast with Carla Chastine, after 24 years in the patrol, she also went on to work deportations. And she was telling me how, she you only hear it on the podcast, where she was able to see where the A-files ended up, right? We do the A-files mm-hmm. processing, and she got to see how they ended up and how they got, how they ended up, you know, getting served and worked and what happened on the other side. And she thought that was uh, really um, fascinating, right? How that, how that, because we don't really know uh, on the field. You know, uh, processing is seen as a as a punishment anyway. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's you know she's in good company. Then as I was trying to say with Carla Chastine as well. So yeah, got the yeah. Fabens, and uh, what was it like walking into Fabens uh, Border Patrol Station on that day? So it was it was rewarding, and again, it was another. Um, I want to say a new adventure for me because uh, going into that station, me and um, Ms. Atide were the first female agents there. Okay. And it was a very small station. Um, I believe we had maybe about 45 agents there at the time. And they had just moved into a brand new facility that was outfitted for, I believe, 50 people. Um, so to me, going into that station, I was like, wow, this is huge. And there's just you know, there's just a handful of us. Um, our shifts were probably on a good day. You had maybe about, I want to say, ten to fifteen at the most mm-hmm. on a, on a full shift. Um, so, so getting there on my first day, you know, not knowing what to expect, 
um, it was it, it was a fun day. Um, the the person that they paired me up with, who was my journeyman for a while, um, he told me, "Well, Miss Arana, are you ready to go catch some dope?" <laughs> and I said, "Yes, sir." And there we went. I I didn't really believe that that was going to happen within you know the first ten minutes of the shift. But for, yep, it was. That station was notorious for just catching dope for the longest time. Um, it, it was it, it, it was a regular occurrence. There was just so much marijuana coming through that area that you could pretty much stumble on it. You really didn't have to look for it over there. Jeez, amazing. Yeah. And so, how did that how did that go then? That uh, that first dope catch. It was exciting. Um, we went out, and that's when, back then, when sensors actually served a purpose, I think. Uh, so we went out, we got our vehicle, we went out, started heading towards a sensor that was taking a lot of hits. And, you know, I was listening to my journeyman saying, oh, this is going to be good, this is going to be good. And just listening to the radio traffic and how everybody worked together, you know, and just kind of went to the area, surrounded the area, um, you know, just blocked off uh, the potential routes that they would end up going, and we ended up catching, um, I believe it was about 300 pounds. Nice. Uh, of course, that vehicle was just left uh, at the drag road, and, you know, the people ended up running back south, but, but we caught the dope. Heck yeah. You know, it's so yeah. funny in, in those very first few days, right? You don't know what the hell you're doing. You're just running. You're just in a uniform running around with you know, just chasing mm -hmm. your journeyman. But it, isn't it surreal that, you know, you get to be there? Yes. Right? You get to be there and eventually you're going to be that guy. I mean, you know, the, 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 you know, journeyman walks up and says, we're going to catch dope. And you're like, whatever. And yeah, you do go <laughs> catch dope. <laughs> so there's no other Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I had... I had no idea that was actually going to happen. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, you, we had to go back to Post Academy and, you know, at the end of the week and stuff like that. And um, my journey was like, wow, you're going to have a lot of good stories to tell. And I bet a lot of your classmates are going to be like, what? You know, they're, they're going to start hating on you because you're catching a lot of dope. So, you know, we had our little trophy picks and, of course, Yes, I did brag. I went back to my classmates and, oh, you know, well, what did you guys do your first week? Uh, you know, check out what I did. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, well, you know, thank God that um, when I first came in, there wasn't a lot of social media, man. The stuff, uh, we, we'd have been in jail a long time ago because you, right? you wanted to tell the whole world, right? You wanted yes. everybody to know what, you know, because you were part of this, this freaking amazing, you know, agency and group of people and station and it was so i mean even now i'm like i'm getting goosebumps excited about my first times i was out there myself so it's it's just so much fun it is it is it's uh it, it it's great to put into practice you know you're at the yeah. academy you're you're learning about the laws and you know uh, all the, the potentials that might happen and then when you actually get out there and live it it's just a whole different ball game yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you continued to work dope uh, while you were there, and uh, what other stuff did you do, and what did you end up like really enjoying to do? Wow. Uh, so, I want to say I really got into using our FLIR trucks. 
Um, we had, I believe we had three FLIRs, and I worked a lot of midnights. Me and my, my classmates, um, we decided to just work midnights together, so we stayed on that for a long time, and, you know, I really took to working the FLIR, and I got really, really good at it. I mean, people loved when I took out the FLIR because I could put them in on a group so easily, like, I wouldn't even... They wouldn't even have to walk very far to go catch the group. I would put them in just almost right on top of them. Um, so I got really good at that. Uh, I enjoyed working the FLIR, and I saw some pretty unusual things working the FLIR. Um, you know, just seeing how people thought they could evade coming across the line, um, you know, like rolling around on the on the drag road instead of, yeah. you know, like, you know, walking across. They thought, oh, well, you know, they won't see me. Um so I, I, I really enjoyed doing that. I, I liked working the FLIR on Midnights. Hey, so you weren't the agent that, that, that took a picture on the FLIR of those two agents holding hands walking on the field, did you? <laughs> I kind of remember that. I don't know if that was me. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot confirm nor deny that. Ah, okay, okay. Well, well said, well said. So you weren't one of those uh, FLIR operators that just ran us through, ran us through miles and miles of... Uh, of uh, brush to try to catch the aliens. You were pretty good at it. I was pretty good at it. Yeah, I, I didn't want anybody to overexert themselves unless they actually wanted to. Okay. So now, um, when you came in, was it what, what was your intention when you joined the border patrol? Did you were you thinking, yeah, um, uh, I'm going to, you know, my my uh, goal is to promote. My my goal is to move up. I mean, as you as you progress through your, um, you know, through your work days. What was, what was, like, your intention? To be honest with you, I really didn't have the intent of promoting or actually being where I'm at right now. I, I never I never really gave that much thought. Um, I was really enjoying being a field agent. I was enjoying the opportunities that started opening up once I um, hit my three years in and, you know, I started to have somewhat of a voice there and, and can do things um, other than just, you know, patrolling the, the line. Um, I think there was a lot of opportunity there, you know, just diving into uh, prosecutions and intel um, and other programs. It, it, I really I really liked it. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't until a couple years later that somebody actually told me, you know, why, why don't you take the supervisor test? Why don't you do that? You know, what about becoming a supervisor? And I, I chewed on it for a while. And it wasn't until I started seeing people that, you know, were my trainees starting to promote that I was like, man, maybe I should promote. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that quite a few times as well. Um, uh, and so can you say, can, do you remember who some of your better, you know, the journeymen you remember that, you know, the ones that gave us those life lessons that we carry through the rest of the patrol? I want to say there are so many of them because I learned so much yeah. from everybody that was uh, a journeyman to me there at the Fabian station. But there was two crusty old guys, Will and Bill. <laughs> um, Will and Bill, they... They really helped me out a lot, and, and they instilled in me a lot of, you know, just that that good work ethic yeah. out there. Um, Lorenzo Itigoyen, 
he's he's helped me out and still helps me out to this day. Just he's a wealth of knowledge, and and I really love his supervisory style. Um, and I think I kind of honed into you know his values, and and I, I like to say that I contribute a lot to him. Very nice. And um, uh, tell me, you know, in, in this initial time that you were that you went through the academy, got to your got the Fabens, got to start working. Did you experience any obstacles uh, because you were a female agent in the patrol? Well, I want to say it was it was very challenging. It was very challenging. There was days where I went home wondering if I had really made the right choice um, being a border patrol agent. Because I felt, you know, at times that maybe I was being tested even more, you know, and then this is while I was a trainee, of course, mm -hmm. but maybe I was being tested even more than others just so I could show them that I can do the job. And you know what? I did. I do appreciate it. I appreciate it now. I look back and some of the things that I've been through, and I think it's made me the person I am today. Um... But there were some hard times. There were some times where I was like, man, you know, can I really, can I really do this? I, I doubted myself, but then I remember just saying, wait a minute, I, I can do this, and I will do this, and, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, continue to do my best, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show everybody that I'm somebody that can be depended upon to do the job 100%. Amen to that. Amen to that. Now, um, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about this later, but uh, am, am I correct in saying that uh, one of the big parts of your career in the Border Patrol has been your participation in the peer support uh, program and the Honor Guard, correct? Yes, yes. I think that those two programs are so important to the Border Patrol, and a lot of people, I believe, they don't get the due credit that they deserve. Um, it's hard work. It's really hard work. Um, you know, you're dealing with people's worst times and trying to bring some level of comfort to them. And it's a tasking job to take on, but it's very rewarding. It's very self-rewarding. Oh, yeah, I, I can agree with that 100% and uh, with my own experience as well. But what, what, what got you started in that? What made you decide to delve into the peer support and honor guard programs? You know, I, I want to say it kind of came naturally to me. Um, before I joined peer support, I kind of found people um, gravitating to me just to kind of talk to me about some of the things that were going on in their lives. And, you know, when people come to me in confidence, I, 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 I really feel it's important that you got to have those kind of relationships to where you're trusted and, and people can come to you and just, you know, hear them out. And when peer support started and I saw, you know, what they stood for, I was like, ah, you know, this is something that I want to do. Um, and I believe we were one of the first classes um, with peer support uh, there in El Paso um, mm -hmm. with Larry Jones and, you know, Chuck Foss and, and, and others. It, it was a, it was a good Thing to, to do in, in my opinion and it still is um, and I've had some really great moments uh, being a peer support member and being in the honor guard yeah well I, again that's something I could say but it's funny you mentioned Chuck Foss because I, I love that man 
when uh, I went I, I went to El Paso a bunch of times to do to work on the uh, chaplaincy program and the chaplaincy SOP and I got to meet Chuck Foss there man and what an incredible uh, agent he was you know he is uh, I, I gave him one of my favorite bolo ties of all time which was a uh, which was a Texas Ranger badge on a bolo tie and uh, I wasn't really wearing it anymore, but I thought, you know what, if I'm going to give it to anybody on the planet, it's going to be that guy. So I have a lot of great memories with him, you know, as when working as a chaplain. But I can sympathize with what you said about the rewardness of the rewards about it. Right. Because when I was there and you and I worked together a couple of times, a few times there as well, um, I was there in the, in the capacity as a chaplain. And uh, and so uh, I can. When you say how how much people don't realize what the work is, you know they use this as reactionary, right? Uh, where we we react to things, they don't. I don't think they even realize the wealth of using us as a proactive part. But that's a whole different story. But uh, I know you were heavily involved in it, you know. And like I said, and I used to see you there in D.C., you know, coming in and that uniform. I, I never seen a sharper looking uniform. I mean, it was just as crisp as you can imagine, shiny. And, but man, uh, not as formidable as your, you know, passion and presence and your focus to make sure everything got done. I got to see that firsthand from you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I was surrounded by a lot of great people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't say I did this all on my own, and I never yeah. will say that. Yes. It's, it's the people that you surround yourself with. And I've been blessed to have just great teams all around. Yeah. So in 2009, you uh, transferred to the dark side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I finally, I finally uh, took the plunge and um, I souped up. Yeah. I souped up. Uh, I went to Sector Intel and I was a, super there, a supervisor there for uh, many years. And how was that experience for you? It was another challenge. I, as you can see, I'm up for the challenge um, yes. when it comes to anything with the patrol. It was, it was a new challenge for me, um, but still very rewarding. Um, you know, diving into a supervisory position and still trying to, you know, understand what my role is supposed to be and, and, and you know, what kind of supervisor I wanted to be and it was it was a hard transition for me because I was just like, man, you know, I'm 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 an agent. I'm all for the agents, you know. This is this is what I want to do. So I think it was challenging in the sense where, you know, there's 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 I'm very vocal when it comes to certain things, and I just want to know why we're doing things. So I don't want to say I was challenging um, my management, but. I would ask a lot of questions because I just wanted to make sure that what we're what we were doing was was right. You know, was it the best way to do it? That way, I could explain it down to the agent. Yes, amen to that. Now, um, you know, just looking at your, you know, I asked you for your bio, and I wanted to see, you know, what your career for progression has been. And man, there's a so many great things here to mention. Um, from you know taking control of the of the sector intelligence to working uh, you know alliance to combat transnational threats, you even eventually did become the national peer support coordinator um, out of the headquarters, right? For a couple of years. Yes, yes, I did that for about two and a half years. 
Yeah, and then you you know supervised lead uh, agents from all the sectors. You then became uh, the adjutant to the chief in 2014, and uh, all this uh, you know progression and moving forward. And I mean, uh, you know, I just look at that and I'm going, you know, what what drove you in those times? I mean, yeah, uh, it just seems like you're just moving forward, going forward, going forward. And I'm wondering if other PAs, other female PAs, are looking at this, going, man, you know, what you know, what 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 was different about you? That made you go out and, and and tackle all these all these new um, adventures or new you know opportunities. You know, it, thinking back, I remember one of the first opportunities I had was to um, help stand up the Border Intelligence Center there in El Paso sector, mm -hmm. and that was kind of asked of me by. Liz Rosales, she was, at the time, I believe she was uh, acting, or she was a special operations supervisor there at the Clint station, and she pulled me aside and, and, and said, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Would you, would you be wanting to, to work out of uh, a sector and, you know, start this new program up? It's going to be uh, an intelligence center, and you're going to be fielding calls, and we really don't know to what extent it's going to be, but she asked me if I would be interested in doing something like that, and I said, sure, why not? And I think that really kind of catapulted me in the direction of taking on, like, new programs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it kept, you know, it kept things fresh, like new ideas um, fresh for me, and, and I, I love the challenge. I love learning new things. Um, and I think uh, Ms. Rosales, she really... She really gave me the opportunity to to go forward and and experience something outside of the field. Yeah, and uh, and so that's another thing I was going to ask you. You know, how does how does this experience? Uh, you know, because you're up in the upper upper levels of management, right? And you are seeing things from a whole different side. And so, how does that affect your view of when you were coming up as a as a junior agent there in Fabens all the way until now of Border Patrol operations and how things are going? Wow. So, so being up here in D.C. and, and seeing what's happening on the field, it, it's just amazing to me how the patrol has progressed throughout the years, um, how we've been, um, you know, just quick to respond and, and come up with new ideas on, on how to do the job. It's... I, I still feel the most important job in the patrol is the first line, you know, the field agent, the field agent out there. They're, they're the ones doing the job. And it's my job being at D.C. to make sure that, you know, the field has everything that they need to accomplish the mission. So it's, it's, it's almost surreal to find myself up here when I, when I first thought, you know, no, I, I, I never really want to be a part of management. I don't want to be a supervisor. I don't. I never saw myself going outside of El Paso, and, and now I'm here in D.C. It's just, it's amazing to me that things just took that course. And I think it's because I just wanted a change. I just wanted challenges. Yeah, well, it's amazing to, you know, looking at it from the outside in like that, it's an amazing progression, a uh, career progression, right? And, uh, 
you know, a, a lot of females in the patrol don't want to be differentiated, right? They don't want to say, well, I, you know, I, this happened because I'm a female or, you know, uh, I got, you know, all this and stuff. Oh, oh, oh a, a female. It's almost like surprised that a female made it that far kind of thing sometimes. And they don't like to be differentiated like that. But there is something to be said about the fact that, you know, as a female agent in the patrol, you know, we've come a long way since 1975. Right when things first started, uh, I've I uh, one day I am going to talk uh, uh, Christine Gee or Christine Davis, the very first Border Patrol agent female in 1975. I've had many conversations with her on the phone, and uh, she's going to do a podcast eventually. But we, me and her, talked about her experiences in the beginning, and they were rough. I mean, they were they were hard for female agents. Uh, you know, the the other two that that survived the academy with her ended up later on uh, quitting. Uh, and, and not in favorable terms either. So it's like uh, they paved the way. And now here here you are years later carrying the torch for agents, you know, in the patrol, female agents, because whether you're male or female, it's still an impressive, it, it's an impressive, um, you know, resume for anybody, regardless, right? So I appreciate that. I mean, it, it, I'm humble and blessed just to be where I'm at right now and you know I I don't believe I got to the position that I'm in because I'm a female mm -hmm. um, there's opportunities presented to everybody everybody can can be where I'm at if they really want to be and if they're up for the challenge I think yeah and uh, again looking at your progression eventually you took an operations officer in DC and um, well, you were. Look, I'm, I'm looking at here, and it says you were involved in uh, doing, putting together the policies for detention and removal on the company juvies, alien processing, and all that stuff. Was uh, uh, was that during all the heavy um, uh, caravan stuff? That was in, uh, in, in in 2015 when that was starting to ramp up. Uh -huh. um, so when I came up here to D.C. Uh, as an operations officer um, and I was placed in the policy division, you're drinking from a fire hose. There's just so much to take on. Yeah. Um, and, and I was, you know, those were a couple of the items that I was involved in. Um, and it's interesting to see, you know, at this level, your 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 nose is in the books and you're researching and you're reading and all these uh you know different types of laws and and then making sure that we're going in the right direction when it comes to the policies that are going to be instituted out in the field mm -hmm. and a lot of them you know it, it comes from cdp and and then we have to you know insert ourselves and provide feedback to that and and just make sure that it's going in the right direction yeah, well, you know, it's funny because um, whether you're male or female in the patrol, you know, we have all one thing in common, right? Down here on the on the ground, on the line, and we like to complain. <laughs> so, right? So we're always like, you know, uh, headquarters doesn't know what's going on. You know, it's just a bunch of people up there that never worked the field. Da, da, da. And so <laughs> what would you say to someone like, like that? Maybe I'm, uh, I'm not going to throw myself in there because, you know, um, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. But... Uh, what do you say to people when they say when you hear that kind of talk, uh, the saying that you know it's such a disconnect? No, you know what? I get you because I <laughs> used to be one of those people. I used to say, you know what? Headquarters doesn't know what they're doing, and why are they making us do this? And you know, I've I've been there, so I, I get that. But then coming up here and seeing the different side of it, and seeing how important it is, you know, the job that everybody does up here. What I would say is to everybody that 
what they're doing. Hey, don't don't speak until you walk a mile in in in, in our shoes, and and then you can speak. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it, it's it, you know people are afraid of what they don't know, and until you do it and realize like, oh, okay, this this is how it ties back, and this is why they're doing it, and this is why they're asking. Um, a lot of agents won't get it. They won't get it. But I think I think headquarters does need to do a better job on explaining that to the field. You know, because I think a lot of you know these uncertainties can be taken care of by having that conversation. Okay. And you know, I've I've had people in the field call and ask me, hey, well, you know, what's up with this? Why are we doing this? And all it takes is a couple of minutes to explain it, and they're like, oh, okay, I get it. And, and speaking of that, and we, we talked about this a little earlier, you and I, in, in regards to the the um, barrage, right now we have this massive online presence in CBP throughout CBP Border Patrol, right? Everybody, every station, every sector, every chief has their own Instagram, has their own uh, Facebook pages. And uh, remember, we were talking about the fact that you know, trophy pictures weren't... They were forbidden, right? Now you do not you right. did not do it. You did not take the picture. You do not show the picture. You don't display the picture. Nothing like that. And now we're, you know, kind of putting ourselves out there. So my question to you is: Has it? Do you think it's improving communications and improving the way people, uh, the the misconceptions people have about the patrol, and uh, improving communications between the field and the and headquarters? I think it is. I think um, the use of social media to get our views out there before the news puts out what they want to is a great, great thing to do. Um, and I think it also opens up the lines of communication for people out in the field that might have these questions. Um, it's keeping people up to date with, with things that are happening right at the moment. Yeah. So I think, it's a, I think it's a positive thing overall. Well, well, yeah, I, I know I like it because, um, you know, I, I, I repost everything I see from uh, that's posted all, all, all over the thing right on my old patrol page, you know, to keep things running and keep people informed. And uh, get, I get a lot of positive feedback uh, personally from people being able to see the progression and the work that we do. Right. The, we're, we're constantly catching loads, constantly catching bad guys, uh, you know, wanted felons, you know, uh, people that are, you know, sexual predators. I don't think they realized how far our um, reach extends and what we what we bring to the table. Yeah, and I think this has been a great avenue just to show everybody, you know, everybody that has access to social media, just a, a glimpse of some of the things that we do and to show them that, that the work we do is important and it's it's good work. You know, people are out there saving lives. Yeah. It's, and it, it, needs to, it needs to be known. And I wanted to ask you, um, we talked earlier about your participation in peer support and, uh, and honor guard, right? And all the work you accomplished, all the work that we accomplished as a team and, uh, it was just, and so much and so rewarding. And uh, we also talked about the fact that we don't realize how much impact, how much um, of effect we have on our line of duty death families and the people that go through the basically the worst days of their life and here comes peer support here comes honor guard chaplaincy to come in and try to fill that gap and do the best we can but then a day came when um it was the worst day of your life right yes 
And um, yes. um, your brother, uh, Peter John Herrera, he's a, he was a sheriff deputy of 11 years, and uh, he ended up uh, uh, dying on the uh, 324-19, and uh, all of a sudden, you're on the other side of that coin, aren't you? Yeah, that, that was the worst. Um, that was the worst day of my life, really. And, you know, when it happened, when, when I got the call from my mom telling me that he had been shot, and I was at work. I, I remember what I was doing. I remember the time. I, I, I remember everything about it. And, you know, right away my training kicked in. I knew I couldn't lose my composure, and I had to try to calm my mother, calm her down, and let her know that I was going to get back home as soon as I can and that things were going to be okay. And I remember, I, I remember right away it's, asking for help, asking, it was another peer support member, Maria Ibanez, she was walking down the hallway and she just stopped and saw me and I guess she could see the look in my face and I just told her I need help. And from that point forward, the, I mean, peer support response, you know, for my family was just amazing. It was amazing. I, you know, and, and, and being on the other side of it, actually receiving the support, it, it, it opened my eyes to show, you know, just to know how, how much a family is grateful and appreciative of the support that one can give during the worst days of their life. Yeah. And how much they actually need us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think Border Patrol, I mean, we do it better than anybody you know i think it's, it's unfortunate that we've perfected our yeah. response yeah and, and 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 just what kind of level of support that we give but we've done it so many times that we just know we, we know how to handle a situation and seeing all of this unfold you know during you know that week of how for me and my family I mean, my parents, my parents are just, they, every day they just tell me, you know, Border Patrol has angels working for them. You guys, you know, the team that, that supported us, she names them by name and they'll never forget the support that was given. Never. And, and my parents just can't, they, they can't believe the type of support they received. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you, you know, you want to see the core heart of the border patrol um watch the honor guard and the peer support and chaplains on the day on the first day of national police week when the people are flying in right yes we are yes. we are un untiring we don't we are just watching how we would take you know we we'd, we'd, we'd go and greet our families right with the honor guard and everybody grab their bags walk them to their cars before they went on the procession but not just our own families, right? Mm -hmm. Anybody, yes. anybody that needs the support. Yes, I mean there were uh, so many families that came in that weren't even getting greeted at the gates. I know, I don't know how many. The last time I did it, I actually was allowed to walk on the plane and make the announcement. 
That was wow. pretty good, right? So then yeah. a, a bunch of families would come out that say, you know, we don't have anybody here to pick us up. And we would end up with three, four families embraced, encircled by Honor Guard and peer support and chaplaincy, grabbing their bags, walking along with them, talking with them, walking them to the car, making sure they got to their bag, they got the rest of their bags, make sure they got the to their cars, make sure they got to go. And the look on their faces as, you know, just you know, showing up and and somebody was there. Yes. Right? And it didn't have to be their law, their particular law enforcement because they were, it was PD, sheriffs, highway patrol, you name it, all across the board. But we were, we all were family there, man. And we were just, I mean, that, I'll never forget that. You know, that, just that feeling of saying, you know what, come on, ma'am, we're going to take care of you because, you know, you're part of this family right now we're, and we're, and we're, and we're going to take care of you all the way through. Just amazing. It is, and I, I wish more people knew about that. I wish more people would experience it, just so they know. Just, I mean, these are things that these people will remember for the rest of their lives. And what we think might be small means the world to them. Yeah. You know, just walking them and talking to them and, and making sure that they're taken care of, even if it's just for a brief moment. They're going to remember that for the rest of their lives. They're going to remember that somebody in green took the time to help them out. And and it's just amazing. I wish I wish more agents would know. It because if you're not involved, if you're not, if you're not peer support, uh, honor guard, or chaplain, you really don't know the level of support that's given. Yeah. And the amount of time, like... I. I want to say the whole week is, it's yes. nonstop, it's 24-7. Yes. You're, you're, yes. you're never, you're never on a break. If because you five, if you you're, hours you're sleep, there. Yeah, you're there right? for the needs of the family at any given time. If you got four hours sleep, you were slacking. Yeah, you're, you're lucky <laughs> if you got that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know what, you, um, uh, you uh, took that, major blow and, and and we got to see some of your uh, just a fraction of your anguish you know on social media you know and, and all the people that also we know all of us myself reaching out to you embracing you during that ugly time and uh, we got to see your progression but then you managed to to you know uh, take that humongous cosmic punch in the in the face and um, Honoring, you know, your brother and honoring yourself, you went on to become an assistant chief, right, in D.C. Well, uh, you, you took on, I'm looking at your uh, bio in that in 2018, you got under the, what, the planning division of uh, DHS Centers of Excellence. So right now, as we speak, you're an assistant chief at headquarters, correct? Yes, that's correct. And congratulations for that. <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much, brother. I'm proud for you, man, and I'm not even your parent. I'm not even. Your, I'm like you're not even your grandfather, and I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. But what an inspiration, right? What an inspiration to um, not only other females. Again, like I don't want to just differentiate, right? And I don't want to make this a female a, a male type of thing. But uh, you know, let's face it. You know, you have brought honor. Right to that aspect of the border patrol in 1975, they allowed women in, and all these years later, you, along with people like uh, Ka uh, Catherine Scudder, and I'm sure a bunch of other people that I hope to get eventually get their stories as well. But um, 
you have uh, proven over and over again that you did, you are game changers. You are the fierce 5%. You did change things for, for, the, uh, for the better in the patrol. And uh, you're out there kicking butt every single day. Man, you just made me want to join all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get a percentage for that. So, yeah, go ahead and start doing the paperwork. Um, that'll be great. But um, in closing, right, as we wind down our interview, Mal, tell, tell, tell me about, talk to the other female agents in the patrol. Well, if they're listening out there, what I would like to share with them is take on opportunities. Don't be afraid. You know, take on those challenges because you're very capable of, of doing whatever you set your heart and mind to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't don't live in limitation um, and, and help each other out. You know, I'm not just saying just the females, but if somebody needs help, help them out. You know, don't, don't be one of those people that uh, retains their knowledge for the sake of you know, maybe using it one day, you know, share what you, share what you know, you know, share what you know and, and help others rise. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what I'd like to say I've tried to do throughout my career is help other people get to where they want to be. Uh, I never want to say it's about me. I've never been that type of person. Um, I don't want to take credit for anything that that I've done because I don't think it's about me. It's about the patrol. It's it's about what we're trying to do to better the organization. So th- that that would be my, I guess, my recommendations to females out there is help each other out, you know, and and just keep on pursuing whatever it is you want to do. Yeah, and the, the difference being, right, there, it's one thing to post the meme, right? You can do anything. It's another thing to live it, and it's another thing to be an example of it, right? And I think that's what's most powerful about this, uh, your career, your, as a person, as an agent, you know, now, uh, uh, you know, in the position that you're in, you're not just posting a meme, right? You are living it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's yes. great. I think that's great. So uh, tell me, you know, uh, also, you know, in the when I interview all these old guys back in the day, all our old patrollers, and they're talking to me about all the shenanigans, right? All the shenanigans uh, that's going on, on the, that, that they were able to get away with and out in the field and all that. Um, uh, tell me, what do you think about the whole progression, right, since uh, the difference now? What's what's the identity of the Border Patrol, right? Back in the day, we were cowboys. Throughout the 70s, we were these mavericks. What are we now, do you think? I think we're warriors. We're protectors. Mm-hmm. That's what I truly believe. Um, just given the nature of the duty that we do, we're, we're saving people's lives. We're not just out there going after groups keeping dope out we're saving people's lives so i want to say that that's what we are we're warriors um agreed agreed i think we're not taking into account yeah you know what we may not be able to do the cowboy stuff we used to do back in the day but it's a whole different world and so now 
we're out there on the line, right? And we've always saved lives, right? When we come across a group that has been abandoned, and if we weren't the ones cutting their sign, nobody was looking for them. They Nobody knew where they were, what was going on. I always took pride in the fact that if we weren't the ones chasing this group and they were abandoned, nobody but us would have found them. Right. Absolutely. And then we go from we go from enforcement mode to humanitarian mode. Okay, saving their lives, you know, uh, uh, treating them, their injuries, their needs, feeding them, whatever it is we did, you know, that was a large part of our whole of our whole process. Not to mention the fact that also that sometimes and even today, I think we're the closest law enforcement to people. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes forty five minutes for the sheriff to get out there to the field. Sometimes it takes. You know, for an hour, two hours uh, for CHP to get out to where we're at, but we're right there. Yep. Yep. We we have we wear many hats. We wear many and hats. I and I think I think you're absolutely right when you say we're we're humanitarians. You know, saving lives. Um, even when we have you know we had that influx of the unaccompanied children. You know, we're there to make sure that they're being taken care of. You know, we don't we don't know who they're they're traveling with we don't know if you know that there's relation there their families we're, we're helping them we're protecting them yes and uh, i think that even though we're not all old patrol just yet because eventually we all get old and we'll all and we're we're in the patrol so you're going to be old patrol eventually you know like it or not <laughs> right but i think we i think we can say that many in the patrol i know him personally you know him personally that carry the spirit and tradition of the old patrol in such a way that if they had been born 50 years ago or 100 years ago, they'd be legends also. Absolutely. So i got to ask you one major, final, important question, and you got to think very carefully before you answer this. Uh-oh. You ready? <laughs> um, Whataburger or In-N-Out? Oh, Whataburger, oh, yeah. all the way, oh, see, 110%. Just when I thought I couldn't love you more, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good answer. See, now I understand, you know, now I know what the secret to your all your entire success is now, right? Yes, double meat, double cheese, and jalapenos. Uh, yeah, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mel, it's been a pleasure a true pleasure to sit here with you and walk through your you know amazing career and uh i hope that everybody that listens to this um you know male agent or female agent i don't care will get inspired by your story inspired by your you know your persistence your you know your you know facing the challenges you know taking the hits that life hits you with you know and and just keep moving forward you got to keep the faith that's the one thing that I'll always have. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, and uh, I l hope we can uh, do this again sometime. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and I hope you have a really good day. You too, Mel. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. This concludes our interview with Assistant Chief Melissa Herrera of the Planning Division in Headquarters, D.C., with true drive and determination and overcoming some truly hard hits in life, she managed to carve out a truly successful career in the patrol. A happy 45th anniversary to all our female agents who are true warriors and game changers and the patrol would not be the same without you. 
Come browse through our Old Patrol HQ store at opatrolhq.bigcartel.com for some amazing products that you can wear proudly honoring the history, heritage, and legacy of the patrol with a few shenanigans along the way. If you listen to an Apple or Google podcast, please give us a short but raving review and five stars so we can climb up the corporate food chain. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always. Thank you.